got about 15 kids reminding me of the Lord's Supper now, so I'm doomed to never forget it again. So if you are here tonight and uh, you need to partake of the Lord's Supper, you weren't able to do so this morning, if you'll go right now to the little uh, chapel, you'll be served. All right, books of the Bible, ready? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua,
We give our money to God. We give our money to the Lord, to the Lord, to the Lord. We give our money to the Lord, showing Him our love. We sing praises to our God, to our God, to our God. We sing praises to our God, singing in our hearts. Oh, good. We take the Lord's Supper, Lord's Supper, Lord's Supper. We take the Lord's Supper, remembering His death. Preach. We listen to the Word of God, Word of God, Word of God. We listen to the Word of God. And increase in faith. I think that's all of us. You know, you want two sermons.
school, don't you? No. Huh? No. All right. Naaman's leprosy. Second Kings chapter five. We won't stop right there, okay? All right. All right. Let's close out with our questions tonight. What is true success in life? Living your life and going to heaven when this life is over. Okay. What is true failure in life? Living your life and going to hell when this life is over. And what's God's ideal for marriage? One man, one woman for life. Okay. Now. Why were you made? To glorify God. And God made you, right? So what does that mean? I say so. Tomorrow we gotta go back to school. But there's a good thing about school because what are you gonna do when you go back to school all this week? Right? Before our kids go to class, we've got a, a couple of announcements we need to emphasize. First of all, we're very glad you're here tonight. I know we still have some folks making their way back home. Uh, I know from the spring holidays, our youth, I think, are gone tonight to area-wide. So uh, that means there's probably fewer of us here than normally would be, but we're glad you're here. If you're visiting with us, you're our honored guest. We want you to come back anytime that you can. I do want to remind those that would like to go to the senior rally at the Henderson Church of Christ on Saturday. We need you to sign the list so we can let them know about the number that we're going to bring. There'll be a meal served there. Dan Winkler's going to be the speaker. And uh, please sign that before you leave tonight, uh, if at all possible. Also, I have a, a statement that I want to read to you tonight uh, before we begin. It's from uh, Bob and Trina Maddox. It says, Dear church family, I would like to thank Ken for his wonderful delivery of God's word this morning. They say we are asking for your prayers. Please pray for our daughter as, as well. Uh, we want to be the right example and not a stumbling block to her or to anyone else. We also ask God uh, to forgive us of our sins and we are longing for that eternal reward one day. And certainly, that's a very powerful statement. It's one that's true, I hope, of all of us, that we're longing for that eternal home. And uh, not only do we want to go ourselves, we want to carry our loved ones and as many others as we can as well. So we want to go to God on their behalf at this time. Uh, I think it might be appropriate to ask one of our elders to come and Lead that prayer. Do you mind coming, Brother Tommy, leading that prayer on behalf of Bob and Trina? Uh, following this particular prayer, I'll lead a verse of a song, and our teachers can go to class. Pray with me. Our Father, we are so thankful to you for the many things that you do for us. And Father, tonight we especially are praying for Bob and Trina. Father, we know the, the problems that we have, that we face when we raise our children, and we always have uncertainties, and we pray that you will be with them as they are living through this. Father, we pray that, that you will be with them and forgive them of anything that's amiss in their life. And we know that you've, you've already forgiven them just by simply saying that I need your forgiveness. Father, be with us and help us to always be the example that we need to be of God's people in this community. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's sing one verse of number 853. Number 853. When we all get to heaven, because our teachers go to class. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing His mercy and His
pocket just real close like that. Irene Baker has terminal cancer. Austin Wentz is undergoing treatments for cancer. Don and Brenda Dawson are both not well. Wade Davis is still missing since June the 22nd. Carolyn Wilcutt's recovering. Bobby Petty has lung cancer. Kelby Smith has Parkinson's disease. Cody McGee's recovering from foot surgery. Chopper's suffering still with pain in his legs. Brenda, so we announced the last time that Brenda had shingles. Brenda doesn't have shingles. Brenda has probably a pulled muscle in her back. It's very severe. So it's just pain. I don't know how they do it. They're really, really struggling over there. And Brenda, if you're watching, we're, we're going to be praying for you here in a minute. Larry Kennedy has lymphoma. Danny Ramdahl has uh, kidney failure. Actually, I got a letter from him the other day. and haven't read it yet. Anxious to look at that. Van Roberts has cancer. Paul Rollison has brain cancer. Lex Crossan has health issues. Norma Hemwell has health problems. Marty Woodruff has cancer and his wife Donna has breast cancer. Eli Johnson ha is undergoing treatments for cancer. Uh, Ethan Kendrick has a friend Justin Mooney who has throat cancer. James Goddard has cancer. Micah McBrayer has cancer. John Roten has some health problems. Ann Langford has pain in her legs due to arthritis. Emma Hutton has lymphoma. Paul Nichols has stage four cancer. Sharon Strickland has cancer. Grayson Miller, cancer. Scotty Ennis, cancer. Tori Cobbs in recovery from his accident. Lisa Allen's brother-in-law, Paul Goldman, has lymphoma. Pat Moore has breast cancer. Ellie was here today, our little Ellie. She's getting tubes in her ears tomorrow. So appreciate you remembering her. Teresa Burcham has pancreatic cancer. Laura's pregnant. Laura, you're pregnant. Yeah, okay. And so is Lauren. Uh, saw them earlier. So we're excited for that and hope everything goes well. Loxley Eaton had a brain tumor removed. Emsley Murphy had a brain tumor. Uh, Denise Martin's mother is recovering at home following surgery. Barbara Beard's dealing with some back pain. Linda, how's Linda? You doing okay? Have you started your treatment? Not yet. Okay. Uh, when will it start, do you know? I think the 27th with the doctors. Okay. All right. Uh, Jimmy Gross is Bo's father. He's been ill for a while. Leslie Long has pre pregnancy complications. Barbara Foster has breast cancer. Mike Vance has cancer. Sue Mason's brother, Crick Ross, been battling bronchitis. Is he any better? He's better. Lynn Baragona's taking rehab now at Landmark. She's still restricted to her room because she's maybe, they think maybe she's contagious with what she has, but we'll keep her in our prayers and Hope she gets a full recovery. And Michelle is recovering from being in the hospital too. That's not easy, tending to somebody in the hospital. The accommodations are not that great. Uh, Caitlin Chun had gallbladder surgery this past week. So remember her. Uh, Bobby Brazel, I, I don't even know how to give you the list of things that he has. He probably doesn't want everybody knowing everything, but he's got a lot of Situations going on with him. He was here this morning, uh, but remember him as, oh, he's up, he, he made it upstairs. Okay, uh, but we're praying for Bobby that he'll get treatment for his, his issues. Jimmy Wigginton is Drew's grandfather. He has bladder cancers, recovering from surgery. And Luther fell, and he broke both of his wrists. One more serious had to have surgery, so... We pray that he'll have a full recovery. Mike Johnson, as I mentioned this morning, that's Mary Ellen's son. He had a stroke, affected his eyesight. Went in for tests for that, and they discovered a tumor. So, I mean, I, I guess in an odd way, it's good 
that he was able to get those tests and, and find perhaps what is a more serious problem. Do you have anybody else you want to? Yes. Teresa Taylor, my mother-in-law. Teresa Taylor. She was in Chippewa Hospital all this week, and they've sent her back to the nursing home. There's not any hope from help. So it's just a matter of time. That's what they were told. She's out here at Landmark, right? How about comfort? I'm sorry. Okay, yes? Larry Gamble, my neighbor, passed yesterday. I have no idea about any arrangements. Okay. All right, let's have our prayer together. And yes, Ben. But they would draw the name. Just pray generally. You got a lot of problems. Okay. And this is Lynette, his wife, right here. So if you want to encourage her, you can do that too. Okay, let's pray together, and then we'll begin our study. Our Father in heaven. Thank you for a beautiful day today. Thank you that you bless us with health and freedom, ability to assemble, and pray we'll never take that for granted. We thank you, Lord, for all the projects that are going on around, a lot of energy in the Lads to Leaders program, and just a lot of good things happening. We, we thank you for, for that. And, I pray that you'll motivate all of us to be involved in, in things that come into our hands. We'll just participate in the work of the kingdom. We're thankful to be a part of this congregation. We pray your blessings on our leaders as they plot a course for us. We pray that all that we do brings glory and honor to you and that we can really be a shining light in our community. We pray for these people who are sick and afflicted and we're praying for their recovery if it's your will. And I, I know there's some folks in the audience here tonight that probably don't feel well or recovering from any number of things, but glad they're here and I, we're praying for these folks that they can get to a state of health that enables them to be back or if their friends or, or family members of ours I mean, they're, they, they're meaningful in our lives, and we pray that you'll provide them with some relief. We pray for Irene Baker, who's been dealing with terminal cancer for a long time, but we pray that she'll have good days, and especially good days with her daughter and her family. Bless Austin Wentz, who has been undergoing treatments for months, and we pray that they're being effective. Bless Don and Brenda Dawson that they will have a better degree of health. And if it's your will, that, that they could get to a place where they can be back here. We pray for the Davis family and Wade's missing. And we pray for Sue. We pray that this family can get some kind of closure soon. Bless Carolyn Wilcutt and her recovery. We pray for Bobby Petty who has cancer. Bless Doug Smith's dad, Kelby, who's not well. Bless Cody McGee as he recovers and pray he can get back to work as soon as possible. Pray your blessings on Chopper, who is here tonight, but in pain. We pray that his new set of doctors can find out what's the source of his problem and treat it. We also pray for Brenda, who is also suffering with back pain. Bless Larry Kennedy, who has cancer. Danny Ramdahl, who has kidney problems. We pray for Van Roberts, Paul Rollison, who have cancer. Bless Lex Crossan and his health problems, and Norma Hemwell and hers. 
We pray for Marty and Donna Woodruff, who both have cancer. Bless Eli Johnson and his treatments for cancer. We pray for Justin Mooney, who has cancer, and pray that Ethan can be a comfort to his friend. We pray for James Goddard, who has experienced a progression in his cancer. We pray for the McBrayer family as they help Micah in his treatments for cancer. Please bless John Roten that he'll have good days and bless Peggy as she tends to him. Be with Ann Langford that she'll have relief from her pain. We pray for Emma Hutton, Paul Nichols, Sharon Strickland, Grayson Miller, Scotty Ennis, who all have cancer. We pray for Tori Cobb that he'll have a full recovery from his accident and that he can find a suitable job. Pray for Lisa Allen's brother-in-law who has cancer. Bless Pat Moore who has cancer. Pray your blessings on Ellie as she has her surgery tomorrow. Pray it will go really well and that she'll be free from infections. Pray for Teresa Burcham who has pancreatic cancer. Lord, bless Laura Galloway and her baby and her pregnancy. And bless Lauren Brumley and her baby and her pregnancy. We pray that uh, both of these families will uh, do well and just have a tremendous welcoming of these babies. Pray for Loxley Eaton, who is still undergoing some treatment. Pray for Emsley Murphy and the treatment that's to be done for that tumor. We pray for Denise Martin's mother in her recovery, that it'll be full. Bless Barbara Beard, that she can find relief from her pain. We continue to pray for Linda uh, as she is to see the doctor in a few days. And we pray that the doctor will have a plan to be able to treat her to the fullest, that she'll not have any further problems from uh, following her surgery. Prayer blessings on Jimmy Gross, uh, not just through this particular medical situation, but just uh, as he endures with Alzheimer's. And bless Bo and his family. Pray for Leslie Long and her pregnancy. Bless Barbara Foster who has cancer and Mike Vance who has cancer. We pray for Crick Ross that he'll continue to get better and be free of the bronchitis. We ask your continued blessings on Lynn Baragona. We pray for endurance and we pray she'll be free from infection and be able to get out of that room soon. Be with Caitlin Chun as she's recovering from her surgery and we pray it'll be full and that she'll have no more problems. We pray for Bobby Brazel who has several health problems. We pray that all that can be corrected soon. Bless Jimmy Wigington, who is recovering from surgery. Bless Luther Mormon, who's recovering from his fall. And we also pray for Joan uh, as she tends to him. We pray for Mike Johnson, who's not only had the stroke, but now they found this tumor. We pray that he'll recover from both of these situations. We pray for Theresa Taylor, who's at Landmark. We we know the doctors have indicated there's nothing really more they can do for her, but we certainly do pray for her comforting and just be with Janice that she can provide some of that. We pray for the Larry Gamble family in his death. We pray that they'll be comforted and uh, use JT, his neighbor, uh, to affect some of that and bring glory and honor to your name through that. We also pray for Dave Woodrow who's just having some problems right now. We pray that you'll uh, help him to see a way to deal with some of those things and be with Lynette too. We appreciate so much her faithfulness and uh, we just pray that uh, both of them will do well and that good days will return to them. Uh, be with us, Lord, as we study together and help us to have a better appreciation of the leaders that we now have, and to look among ourselves 
to find leaders that can carry us on into the future. Just thank you for the blessings that come from all of that. In Jesus' name, amen. What's well, a long list. Did you notice? There are a lot of people suffering, aren't there? And I'm, I'm glad we can pray for them. <clears throat> okay. Uh, we are actually in Titus chapter 1. Titus has a list of qualifications for elders. It's complementary in some ways to the list that you find in 1 Timothy chapter 3. I say complementary. There, there are a lot of qualifications here that are exactly the same as they're stated in 1 Timothy chapter 3. However, there are a few that are a little bit worded a little bit differently or actually some things that you don't find over there. Instead of going through the entire list and just repeating ourselves, and you know we've been spending a lot of time digging deep into some of these, I thought that we would look at those matters that were a little bit different between the texts. So that's going to bring us to this next one here of the man not being quick-tempered. Quick-tempered. Well, I looked that up because I want, you know, tempered. You know, when you temper steel, you... You refine it in such a way as it has some flexibility and strength in it. So, you know, I'm not, not quite sure what that means. Actually, the idea is about being rash in terms of anger. In fact, it's not just the rashness of it. It's being prone to anger. Well, that begs the question then, exactly what is anger? You become angry, in one case, when you have been wronged in some way, okay? Another sense of that is that you have come to a place in which you are displeased about something. Now, I want us to understand that anger itself is an emotion, okay? There are some ways in which you can control emotions, but you are not emotionless. And the idea is that when I have triggers in my life, I naturally produce certain emotions. I, I mean, that's just what comes. So uh, in, in this example, when I'm going along and I think I'm doing right, and then someone wrongs me, they do something wrong. My natural response to that might be that I become angry. Or if I'm going along and I think I'm doing the right thing and somebody creates an affront or takes something away that I might otherwise have been using for my good activity, it might create displeasure in me. And that displeasure can create the response of anger. Now, I want to ask this question to begin with. Is it a sin to be angry? Okay. Um, God gets angry. Yeah, he got angry a lot. <laughs> um, and in response to these kind of things, he has, he has given a law, say, you didn't keep it. What did you do to him? You wronged him. You displeased him. And his natural response was anger. It can be, <laughs> it can be varied. I'm thinking about for us, Ephesians chapter four, you ready, Rick? Verses 26 and 27. I want you to listen closely to this because not only does it tell us something about anger, you're angry, you're going to be angry, but also tells us something very important that I think falls in line with what we're looking at here in this qualification. Okay. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Okay. So he says, okay, peace, be angry. But under what qualifications? Be angry, but don't sin. And don't let the sun fall down on your wrath. What does that mean? Get, get over it. And I mean, if we were going to be technical about it, how quick does he say get over it? Like, how about today? Have you ever heard this thing? And um, 
Anita and I have agreed to this variously <laughs> through the years. <laughs> like don't go to sleep angry. Have you ever heard that one? Okay. Um, is that a good idea? Yeah, because if you allow the anger to fester, if you keep dealing with the thing long enough, then that emotion is eventually going to turn into some kind of action. Now, if that action is related to you feeling as though you were wronged, your action is going to be an attempt to do what? Get back. Get back. Not just make it right. Have you heard of one-upsmanship? That is, you did this to me, now I'm going to do a little bit more to you to incentivize this thing. Now maybe you know I'm serious, you won't mess with me anymore. You ever, I grew up on um, uh, Bugs Bunny and that group. So Bugs Bunny and Yosemite Sam were going at it. You know how Bugs is. Bugs always picking at somebody, but Yosemite Sam's deadly serious. So Yosemite Sam's got those six guns, you know, he comes a-blazing. And Bugs Bunny took offense at that. And so he got him some guns and started shooting back at Yosemite Sam. Well, he wasn't going to be outdone. So he went and got a couple rifles, started shooting at Bugs Bunny. Well, Bugs Bunny then comes back with a cannon. And then Yosemite Sam comes back with a tank. And then on and on until at the end of the cartoon... They're both standing on an earth that has been totally annihilated and they're on a patch of ground that's only big enough for about the both of them to stand on. I think that's a pretty good lesson right there. Will you ever even the thing out? No, you will not. He says, that's okay. Emotions are fine. You can be angry. It is okay to be displeased. It is okay to feel wronged but don't let that anger cause you to sin. Or, not only does he say settle it by the end of the night, but he says that last part was, nor give place, what? To the devil. If you allow your anger to grow into an explosive situation in which you take action, what kind of things have happened when people were angry? Okay, we went to the number one, the number one, right? You could kill, murder, right? Is that unheard of? No, it's like one of the first stories, right? Cain and Abel. Uh, Cain becomes envious and jealous. He becomes frustrated and angry. And what's he do? He takes his brother's life. You know, you had an opportunity, God says, there while sin, while sin was crouched at the door, to take action against the sin, but he gave into it. And of course we know the results of that. So anger can precipitate much worse uh, situations. Uh, let's back up from, let's back up from murder. Boy, you guys are a tough crowd. Um, does anger cause you to say things you didn't even really mean? And once those words come out, can you get them back? You really can't. And what you said in a moment of anger and frustration can change the course of your life. Just in a few minutes, you can destroy what you have spent years building. You may be surprised, however. Now, now here's the thing. We, we look at that text saying, okay, be angry. Don't sin. Um, don't let the sun go down in your wrath. Don't give place to the devil. Sounds like, really, I should condition myself never to become angry. But anger has a proper place. And you mentioned that God becomes angry. I think this is a shock to some people that none other than Jesus himself became angry. Mark chapter 3 and verse 5. And I want you, when you get to that text, well, if you don't mind, Rick, when you get to that text, go back to verse 2. Read verse 2 first and then blow us away with verse 5, okay? Mark chapter 3, verse 2, and then read verse 5. And they watched him, whether usually the kingdom of God, but unto them... Oh, 
Yeah, whoops. Turn two page. Turn two page. <laughs> yeah. And they, and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that he might accuse him. Okay, stop right there for a second. Okay. Don't miss this point. There's an opportunity for Jesus to heal somebody. Is that a yay or a nay? Yay! I mean, wow! The glory of God. If a miracle is being done, who is behind the miracle? Jesus, but God is behind the miracle. You watch this miracle, there's no denying it. Okay, these guys are so conditioned to the fact that Jesus can heal people. Stop right there. If he can heal people, he must be from God. Right? But they're so conditioned that if there's somebody to heal, he's going to heal them. They're, they're actually going to try to set him up so that he'll heal this guy on the Sabbath day. And then that way they can accuse him. No mind the fact that God's doing something amazing right here, healing somebody. Forget about that. Okay, we'll give you that one. But what we're going to do is we're going to accuse him of healing on the Sabbath day. They're trying to trap him. Okay, now read verse 5. And when he had looked around about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thy hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. Okay. Jesus looks around, and what happens? The text says he became angry. Why is he angry? Okay, but what does that text say? What, the text, text tells us something about them. The hardness of their hearts. Okay, describe the hardness of the heart situation right here. Yes, clearly there is a miracle being worked here. Clearly that would be by the power of God. Therefore, if Jesus is doing it, the least that we could admit to is that Jesus is from God. Therefore, he is son of God. His claims are true, but they're not accept. Their heart is so hard that even though they can see what is happening, they will refuse it. And because of that, Jesus becomes angry. Okay. What did he do? Kill the whole bunch of them? Bring down fire and brimstone from heaven? Wipe them out? No, instead he did what? He healed the man with the hand. He went ahead and did what he did to the glory of God. Yes. So even though he was angry, and did he have cause to be angry? Absolutely he did. Um, not a sin to be angry. Be sin. Be, it's not a sin to be. Be angry and do not sin. Now, Jesus didn't let the sun go down on his wrath nor give place to the devil because he went ahead and did what? The miracle. He didn't get in a big fight with these guys. He didn't condemn them all to hell or bring down fire and brimstone from heaven. Jesus dealt with the situation and by demonstrating his power, you know, kind of hushed the situation. This was going to be a reoccurring thing, but I just wanted to notice with you here, here was a situation in which anger was appropriate. Now, that's anger. Anger's okay. But what is it our text says? Not to be quick-tempered, not to be prone to anger. What does it mean to be prone to that? I mean, anger's normal. Yeah, um, something that we notice, I think, about Jesus here, something that we see in terms of the warning from Ephesians chapter 4 is simply this. It's okay to be angry with sin. Yes? It's wrong. It's an affront. It makes me angry. However, the problem often is that we can't separate the sin from the person. When we just direct our anger at the person, are we demonstrating love for them? No, I'm, I'm not sure that we are. The thing that has caused my anger ought to be the thing that 
receives the response of my anger. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it just makes me frustrated. I don't act at all. People who are prone to anger, however, are most likely not dealing with, okay, here is unrighteousness that has occurred and my ire has been raised. No, this is a person who goes through life feeling basically entitled and anybody who upsets the boat, they become angry. They become upset and frustrated. Is that, a, is that an appropriate response to our relationships with other people? Shake your head this way. No, because I'm going to guarantee you something. Probably every day, but a lot anyway, are going to be the occasions when you run into people who wrong you. And they may not even realize they wronged you. Who will displease you. Do you walk through life every single day totally pleased? Everybody did me right. I went to Walmart to check out and that was just treated with total respect and honor as I waltz through there. I went into traffic and it, you know, people waving at us in all sorts of fashions just feels good. Everywhere you go, there is some kind of an affront. What happens if you become a hothead in every single situation? What will people think of you? Well, this, yes, quick tempered. That guy just gets mad. He blows his top at, at every situation. Is that what Jesus was doing here? In fact, I'm going to tell you, except for you might say, well, now, Ken, I'm also thinking of two occasions where Jesus overturned the, the tables in the temple. John describes two occasions of that. The beginning of his ministry at the end. Okay, uh, it doesn't say there that he became angry. It says that he was filled with the zeal of the Lord. But we want to call that anger. I'm just going to tell you, those are really the only three occasions I can think of where Jesus might be labeled as being angry at somebody. A great appropriate time for him to become angry was, oh, let's say when they were scourging him or they were nailing him up there on the cross. That kind of make me a little angry. However, you don't hear any of that in Jesus because Jesus wasn't prone to anger. Jesus wasn't a hothead. Jesus didn't respond to every single infraction in his life with anger. In fact, when Jesus responds with anger, what precipitates it? It's this word right here, sin. And honestly, ought sin not make us angry? Absolutely, it should. It should cause what we would refer to as righteous indignation, which is a fancy word of saying righteous anger. It is anger on the part of good toward wrong that is done, injustice that exists in the world. That makes us angry because God's way is not being promoted. It isn't that every single infraction that comes along in life makes just ticks me off. If we're feeling that way, We've got some anger issues. For a man who is going to be leading the church, he ought to be of what kind of a demeanor? It's going to take a lot to push his buttons and take him to the point of true anger in a situation. And even at that, it's not because he's been personally insulted. It's going to be because some justice has been overturned. Some, some sin has occurred. His righteous indignation has been stirred. Okay. Uh, in verse 8, another kind of interesting thing, a lover of what is good. And, and the best way that uh, that's to be described is that he just, he surrounds himself with good things. Okay. I don't know how to describe that for you, except just to say that's one of those things you would just know when you saw it. It's just, it's just a guy, when we think of him, is a person who is involved in good things. Uh, he reads good literature. He listens to good music. He surrounds himself with good people. We don't, when we think of his character, have a bunch of question marks that pop up. We just, we probably say of him, that is just a what? That is just a good guy. He is just a good, good man. Just. 
another word, I didn't put this one out here, but this would be up, can, upright. Upright. A person who is upright, who keeps his word. He has a lot of integrity. I want you to read this for us, Rick. It's Matthew chapter 5 and verse 37. I love, I love this text because of a way I heard a child read it one time. So we're going to listen carefully to see how you read it, Rick. See if you do it like he did. Matthew 5, verse 37. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatever, for whosoever is more than these cometh of evil. Okay, well, that was nearly as funny. When I heard you say nay, nay, I was thinking, you know, what horses say or whatever. But uh, the point here is when you speak, you don't have to swear. This is in the section where, you know, don't swear you know, by heaven or the earth or your, even your own head. You can't control any of that. What you do is you be a person of great integrity. So when you say yes, you mean yes. You don't mean maybe or it depends. If that person agrees, they will even agree. If they say yes about this, they will even agree to their own harm. Okay. And when you say no... Well, that's not a wishy-washy. No, that's a definite. I stand by my word. That's, the, that's, that's a person of integrity. Now, uh, Rick did a good reading, as he always did. I, I had a kid read this one time, and he said, let your yes be yes and your no's no's. I always thought that was kind of funny. So when I read this, I think no's no's. This is a person who, when they speak, you can count on what it is that they have to say. Okay, does that make sense? This is a person who is absolutely just. You can count on him. He's also a person who is holy. Okay, a couple of texts here I think are important. One is 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. If you'll read that one for us. But as, as he which hath called, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, "Be ye holy, for I am holy." Okay, that's King James translation. Yes. Uh, conversation is your life, how you live, your actions. Okay, your conduct. God is holy. So how does God expect you to be? Holy. Not just in what way you think, also in how you act, right? You're a holy person. That means that your life reflects what it is that you've committed to. So if I'm committed to God in His way or I'm committed to Jesus, I'm going to be walking in their steps, right? And that's the whole thing behind letting your light shine. Reason, the reason you're shining a light and you're letting people see it is because that light that they see is not, didn't originate with you. That's God's light. And then he's being glorified through it, right? That's the conclusion. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Okay, so we strive to be holy. Holiness is pure and it's different. Now the question would be, what, what is it that makes us different? And this text here, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, describes exactly that. Go ahead and read that. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Okay, the person who is in Christ, who's become the Christian, what, what's happened to him or her? What's happened? Are, are you different? Different how? Christ-like. Christ-like, exactly. You've been transformed. Isn't that what uh, Romans 12 says, right? 
you're not conformed to the world like you were before you became a Christian, but you're transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind that you may prove or become the example of what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Again, your life is a demonstration of the holiness, the purity of God. Those who are leaders in the Lord's church, our elders, our bishops, are this. They are holy. They are different. You can look at them and know that they are different from the people you're dealing with in the world every day. They become an example to us of what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This kind of man, according to verse 8, the, the latter part of the verse, is self-controlled. What does it mean to be self-controlled? <laughs> oh, these word games. Yeah, self-controlled is control of yourself. That's, that's really it. Okay, what makes up myself? Uh, my mind and my body. So I'm going to be, uh, one of our, our leaders are going to be in control of the mind and the body. Okay, let's break that up. What would it be to be in control of your mind? To not think bad thoughts. Okay. Get rid of the bad thoughts. Control your emotions. Okay. <laughs> Oops, we went back to anger. You made me so mad, Martha. Uh, yeah. Uh, control. You, you're in, you're, you are in control of what you think of what you're allowing to come into your mind. I don't know if this is true or not, but I have read some scientific journals and studies that propose the idea that our minds are so vast and complicated that from the time you are born until the time you die, everything that you experience in one way or another sticks to your brain like as though it were one of those fly traps. Now, you may not be able to recall it, but those images, those events that take place in your life affect you, whether you're conscious of it or not. So does that speak to the things we allow ourselves to experience? I've heard people say a million times, of course that's an exaggeration, but I've heard it a lot of times. Somebody says, well, I can do that. I know how to separate the meat from the bones. You know, like when you eat a piece of fish, you can separate the, the fish from the bones. They say, well, you know, there's bad stuff in it. I know how to get that out. And you may logically do that, but guess what? You read it or you experience it, it's going in there. It has stuck somewhere. Unfortunately, sometimes those things come out in the worst possible, at the worst possible times. Maybe when we become angry. Things are said you'd never think a child of God would say, but because they have lost control of their faculty for a moment, they will say things that are inappropriate, uh, even challenge another to go outside and fight. Remember I told you that story? What in the world? How'd that happen? Somebody wasn't in control, yes? What about control of your body? What would that be? Self-control of the body. Pardon? The body only does what the mind tells you. Okay. The, the body by the soul. This is your vehicle, your body, and your mind tells it what to do. So whatever it is your body is doing, it originated in there somewhere. Yes? Okay. Um, you know, I'm thinking of, talk about self-control. You know, I'm thinking elders get invited over for supper a lot or come over, have a piece of cake and some drinks, uh, some coffee or something and before know it, you're losing control of your physical ability to, I, I don't know where to stop on this because I don't want to say it, <laughs> but you know, the, you've, got to, you've got to learn self-control. You've got to learn uh, how to control every aspect of, of your life, your mind, your body. It all works together. How you present yourself. You, you are to be the, the standard bearer for the church in the Lord's cause. You see commercials even on TV now that, um, you know, it's just a commercial about whatever, but there's so much sin involved that we don't even really recognize it anymore. You know, but it does have an effect because it becomes more, we, we become, you know, desensitized, I guess, to it. And it, it's in our mind more and more because we're seeing it. 
And, and so it worries me for the kids growing up. It, it's amazing how we have become desensitized. I'll never forget growing up as a child, sitting in my grandfather's living room with a bunch of other grandkids, and all of a sudden, my grandpa, who never moved very fast, now I'm think, I was looking at a picture of him the other day, and I was thinking, I think he's about my age in that picture right there. But nevertheless, I was sitting there in that living My grandpa jumped up off the couch, hurtled over the top of us grandkids, and slapped the button on that TV smack because somebody on that television said some, what we would consider today a very mild cuss word. One cuss word. He wasn't about to allow his grandkids to hear language like that. And now, I mean, even commercials are filled with all manner of filth. And, you know, you can just sit there and just watch one commercial right after the other. Watch a program that's filled with all kinds of terrible things. Uh, watch movies. We'll say, boy, that was a great movie except for this or that. And turns out it's, you know, it's rated R because it's filled with foul language. We have to be very, very careful with what we fill ourselves with. Uh, very quickly, holding fast the faithful word is the last in this series with the elders. I would remind us what we talked about when we were talking about him being apt to teach. Remember, that was from the very beginning. And we were stressing the fact that perilous times were coming. Acts chapter 20, verses 28 to 31 describe those. Even from amongst those elders, false teaching was going to arise. It was very important that our elders hold fast, hang on to the faithful word. Let's have a prayer and then we'll be dismissed. And thank you for being here tonight. Our Father in heaven, thank you for the blessing of our time together. Thank you for your word and the way it instructs us. I pray, Lord, that these studies are going to be not just beneficial in helping us to how we ought to be living, but also beneficial in motivating some of our men to aspire to these positions. Uh, Lord, I thank you ahead of time for the men that you are preparing to rise to the occasion. I thank you for the elders that we have now, for the dedication that they made to serve in this church. Please bless us, Lord, as we leave this place. Keep us safe, and if it's your will, give us a new day to exercise all these good things that we know. In Jesus' name, amen.